This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, great to have you tuning in tonight. Thursday night football on the tube here in the old 630 Chad studio. Two and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Green Bay at home already in control up 14-0 on the Chicago Bears. Green Bay coming in 2-1. and one. The Bears are 1-2. and two. 707. You can text 630-630. You can phone 780-496-0063. Appreciate some of your stories about attempting to or successfully dunking a basketball. Patrick, all the sto- what was the most recent dunk we had? Was it five years ago? We didn't have any current glory. I guess we don't have a lot of 17-year-old high school basketball stars listening to the show. There's got to well, be one 40 We only have 14 listeners in total, so... You know, somebody... One of them has to be 40 years old and still jamming in the driveway, you'd think. Yeah, I don't think we have any, any current uh, current dunkers. We started, because I often make the... Well, it's not really a joke. It might have been moderately funny the first time that I'm no relation to Dominique Wilkins, and I'm sure there's a generation of people who don't even know who that is. He was a star... I mean, here's the thing. That's the interesting thing, just as a bit of an aside. He was kind of the first rival Jordan had, right? And then the Bulls became much better than the Hawks, and then the Bulls kind of didn't have a rival because they, I mean... Nobody, yeah. I mean, then I guess they went up. The Pistons, I guess, but then they overcame the Pistons. I think the Knicks took them on a couple times. I think it was the Pacers that knocked them out of the playoffs because, remember, they won the three in a row. Jordan missed the next year. The Rockets won. Then he came back two-thirds of the way through 94-95, and I think they lost to the Pacers in the second round, and then when he was back for the full seasons, they won three more titles. Anyway... So, Dominique Wilkins was a great scorer, was a dunker, won the slam dunk competition a couple times. Jordan beat him head-to-head, I think, in Chicago, and it was widely sort of assessed at the time that Dominique should have won, but because it was in Chicago, Jordan may have got some favorable votes from the judges to appease the home crowd. Anyway, that's how we started talking about dunking a basketball. The Oilers will play Saturday in Vancouver. That's their last preseason game. It's on Ched, 6.30 for the face-off show. The game will start at 8. They'll practice again at Rogers Place tomorrow. I'm curious to see what the lines look like because Dreisaitl was back on the right side tonight, or uh, yes, or this morning with McDavid and Maroon. Nugent Hopkins centering Yamamoto and Lucic. I still think, well, I've started to think Yamamoto is here opening day. I think he gets nine games or less and then goes back to the Spokane Chiefs. He'd be a good bet to play on the American World Junior team. And then he's likely an Oiler full-time starting next year. But no reason not to keep him around. Again, no one's grabbed it on the right side. Puglia Yarby hasn't really grabbed it. Kajula's been okay, kind of quiet. Hasn't really been getting a lot of shots away. Slepeshev obviously injured, not ready to go yet. Cassian has been fine in uh, his role. And Strom... um, 
you know, mixed reviews, I think. I think he's been okay. I think he's still learning. I think he's still fitting in. And here's the thing with Strom. We may be dealing with a bit of an inconsistent player. That just may be him. But hopefully he can he can produce enough to give the Oilers some secondary scoring. So that'll be interesting to watch. We had Andrew Harris on the show. Love talking to him. Uh, 30 years old. Far from, far from old. He's been a great CFL player. I think he's the MOP this season. And look, obviously I was saying it was Riley earlier. You can only go on the information we have. Riley was the quarterback of a 7-0 team. Bo Levi's very good. Messam actually is the leading rusher. Harris is third. I don't think there's an all-round offensive player who can do what Harris can do. And you've seen him play. He was totally in charge against the Eskimos when they played in Winnipeg a few weeks ago. He's going to be the toughest guy to stop this weekend when the Eskimos take on the Bombers. That coverage will start at 6.30 on Kissing Country 103.9. I think he creates more problems for defenses than anybody else in the league. And that includes Messam. And I mean, you got Sinopoli leading the league. The Eskimos got some great receivers. I think Harris is the guy. And that'd be something if a Canadian won MOP, by the way. That'd be pretty cool. Brandon Zilstra, keep an eye on him. 982 yards receiving. So I'm going to I'm gonna wager that he goes over 1,000 against the Bombers on Saturday night. Darius Bowman in the Eskimos receiving core. So they're coming off the bye Remember last year, two-thirds of the way into the season, the Eskimos were 5-7. and seven. It didn't look that great. They put together a good stretch run, got into the playoffs, lost the East final, kind of hit the reset the reset button going into the final third, and Bowman is saying they're trying to do that again. Last year was similar, but I know it, it get repetitive, but every year has its, its challenges and its differences. But uh, for me, like I say, uh, definitely that's what the bye, bye week was to me. Uh, it's a reset. You know, as much as the loss, the five wins, there's a lot of things that can get you throughout the season, but I always say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's 18 weeks, you know, so 18 weeks, and we got two buys now, so you can, you can get another reset. Normally, you wouldn't have that, but uh, that's exactly what you got to do. Uh, the team's very focused, you know what I mean? Uh, it's been a lot of talk outside of our team, you know, refs this, refs that, or, or whatever. I don't really think that has nothing to do with us. It's about us. Uh, we're, we're still attacking one problem that we've been having all year, and that's being disciplined, and you know, uh, we are getting better in it in some ways, but that's something that we could control, so we got to fix it, you know? In terms of resetting, I, I felt the resetting was, was needed because uh, we got a great mix of veteran and young guys here. And uh, some of these younger guys, you know, I was even talking to Duke, some of these young guys hadn't really been through a full CFL season. And, and you know, to them, losing five, you were thinking your head is over. But I'm like, hey, it's the CFL, bro. You, you got to play all the way to week 18. Yeah. And even after you done in week 18, you need to watch the rest of the people that play after you, you know, because things can change that quick. And uh, I, I told everybody, you know, I was talking to Odell and Mike, and I think uh, – just with the, the 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 level of competition in the West and in the league all around all the way around, I feel the playoffs started earlier this year, and I think that's what my mindset's at from here on out. You, if you lose a game, you could possibly be out, and so uh, it's not to that extent, but that's what my my head went with the back because I feel like we got to heighten our awareness and we got to know that it's crunch time because uh, we're playing in a tough division. Playoff attitude for every game. Yes, every game from here on out, all the way to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about discipline. We're going into game whatever it is, 13. Why? It's a veteran team for the most part. Why is it taking so long? Why has it been so hard to get that part of the game under control? Uh, that was, uh, once again, like one of the things that we broke down in the back. And uh, for, uh, for me, uh, if I can make it short and sweet, 
Uh, from from the veteran guys, we have to lead by example and uh, not not do so much talking. You know, uh, I got the veteran status, so it's easy for me to yell at Duke or Darrell or Brian Mitchell or Brandon Zilster, do this, do that. But when I'm yelling, do do this, do that, and then I'm the one jump off sides, it makes it hard to to follow me. So I say, for the veterans, we have to lead by example, and for the rookies, you have to trust the process. You know, trust that your veterans gonna put you in the best position. You know, I know a lot of these rookies, they get the caught up. Oh, it's, it's coming up on uh, the off season. I wanna know if I can resign. I got this. I got, and I I've been there. I understand what they're saying, but now being a veteran, that can wait another six weeks. It can wait another ten weeks. You know, so uh, just really resetting. You know what I mean? The the ultimate reset. Uh, and am I excited that we're still talking about something we was talking about week one, week 13? No, not by no means. But uh, like I say, once again, I think it's a part of the adversity that comes with this business. And uh, do I have faith in our team to overcome this? Yes. Our leader right there, Mike, you know what I mean? He's saying the same things. We've been here. We've done that. But uh, it's really just getting in and showing it. You were seven and zero. Now you've lost five in a row. How does how does that happen? How it's I mean that's strange. Like you were the you were a dominant team. You won everything the first seven weeks, and now you're having so much trouble getting things to fall your way. Oh man, uh, without having to put any blame on ourselves or anybody else, I think that's uh, the plus about the CFL. You know. Uh, it changes by the week, you know, just as, like like I say, seven five weeks ago, seven and oh look you know, it looked good. You can get you can get beefed up, you can get a little ego, there's a lot of things that could occur. But then again you gotta remember the season's one in November. You know what I mean? It takes eighteen weeks. So it's, it's a reminder. I take it as a lesson, we all gotta learn from it. But uh it's definitely been a night and day thing. So, uh, but but it's a plus also. Like I say, just to know that you were seven and zero at one point, it lets you know, like, you know, I've been on teams where we just uh, we just didn't maybe had a talent or just maybe didn't have the the pieces to even accomplish seven and zero. You know what I mean? So, uh, it's a plus and a minus. But like I say, uh, I think the guys really understood that 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 bye week's about resetting. And if you ain't, if that's not what's on your mind, you've heard it enough these past two days to know that that's where we're going and there's no looking back. You're back from injury. Brandon Zilcher's back mm -hmm. from injury. Uh, Duke Williams is back from injury. Darrell Walker's back from yeah, the yeah. NFL. Tell me about the competition among that receiving yeah. court to get the football. Oh, man. Uh, first of all, uh, that's one of the pluses that I have with this group that we have. You know what I mean? That's one of the pluses that I've had in, in, in Edmonton. Uh, it's not much competition amongst us. Are, are we competitive? Yes. Somebody trying to run a nice route every play of practice? Yes. Is somebody trying to have that catch of the day? Yes. You know what I mean? But I, I really have enjoyed the brotherhood with these guys. Uh, there's not really any competition in terms of, oh, I'm not getting the ball enough, you're not getting the ball enough. I think our coaches put us in good positions to make plays. Uh, I'm glad I'm not a coach right now. I think it could be a challenge having that, that much talent and that many guys and trying to figure out what your plan is but I, I feel we've been doing a good job and, in, and amongst the players I haven't felt anything. I was kind of leaning into the fact that I got to be good because there's a lot of other good receivers oh, yeah. here. If I want the ball I better do my job better. Oh 100% 100% and that's, that's a part of it. Like I say uh we haven't felt it amongst each other, but it's a part of the business. You know, everybody is, is is doing their best on each route. You know, each of us trying to run that best route. Just like I say, even the Benner receives a lot of things that factor in. You know, the line got to do that responsibility. Mike got to make his read. The ball got to come, you know. So we actually enjoy watching film in the game. You see uh, about four people open almost every play. But it's just one ball, you know. So uh, it's been very, uh, very, very, very exciting, you know. But uh, I think the fact that we got great character out of those guys, I don't think it'll be an issue. I think the, the problem's on the coaches. It makes it hard for them to figure out. You said the biggest problem it's just one ball it's one ball yeah i would say that yeah if, if mike could throw uh even if he could throw three of them out there i think it'll be a little bit more funner <laughs> uh, it's a big game because it's the next game but man it's a big game oh it's the biggest game you know uh like i say uh we got we got our fair share of young guys on here you know and uh we actually got 
a tough road ahead of us, you know what I mean? With whatever challenges we face up until this point, you know, uh, and like once again, like I say, I've uh, been in the West, you know, you can't complain about it. You just got to understand the West is tough, you know, and the East is coming along too, but uh, the West has been tough, you know, so you, you really got to hone in and you can't, like I say, the CFL do go all the way down to week 18, but we don't want to be that team waiting to see what happens on week 18, you know, so it, it starts now and uh, why not be Winnipeg? You know, I missed that game earlier this year, so I'm, I'm very excited. They're on a nice road. They're a great organization. We know this, but uh, it's always good games, you know, always great games when we go against them and they're coming here this time. That is a Darius Bowman talking to Morley Scott, play-by-play -play voice for your green and gold. Saturday's game on Kissing Country, 103.9, 6.30, countdown to kickoff game at 7.30. Eskimos trying to get back in the win column. They have lost five straight, but they're still 7-5. and five. All right, a lot of fun still to be had. Uh, Josh Emerson's going to be in studio. Edmonton actor, now working in L.A. He's done some incredible stuff. Huge Oilers fan. We're going to tell his story inside sports on 6.30, Chet. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. Man, it is ugly in Green Bay. Huge rainstorm. The game is in a lightning, uh, lightning delay. Packers leading the Bears 14-0 in the second quarter. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Oilers game coming up Saturday, 630 face-off show. Game will start at 8. Last one on the preseason schedule as they uh, take on the Vancouver Canucks. I got a text here. Uh, this individual says, I know this is something off topic, but what do you think of Sidney Crosby and the Penguins going to the White House? I haven't talked a lot about this. Bob asked me a couple days ago. I think I was on Oilers Now with him. I'm I'm a big believer in personal choice, and if if you would like to, as a champion sportsman, you would like to go to the White House either for the experience or or to honor the tradition, or because you like Donald Trump. And I don't have a problem if somebody likes Donald Trump. I don't. I don't have a problem if somebody does. So if you want to go to the White House, go. I realize in a team environment that some teams have an all or nothing mentality. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not at all offended by the Penguins going. Uh, I, I think maybe a lot is, maybe too much is is being made of it. Having said that, I don't for a minute object to athletes being political or voicing their thoughts on political or social issues. I don't believe that athletes should have to stick to sports when they express themselves. And I think there are a lot of intelligent athletes who do a pretty good job of expressing themselves on political or social issues. I will say this for what is specifically happening in the United States, that I don't know what it's like to be a black American, and I don't, I don't think I should have the right to tell black Americans how to act. And it is a lot of black Americans that have initiated this kneeling during the anthem, speaking out about the White House or how they feel about Donald Trump and some of his comments on, on race issues. I think when, well, I know when, because you can read the comments in the interviews, that I realize that a lot of these black athletes who are speaking out are young, rich males who are rich because they are really good at a sport. But I think they see a, a black person being uh, brutalized by a police officer or singled out by a police officer, and they think to themselves, that, would, that could be me if I didn't have the life of privilege that I have. And actually, some black athletes have been singled out that way because of the color of their skin. So if they feel they need to protest or speak out, all the power to them. 
What is their form to do that? Well, it's by doing what they've been doing during the National Anthem. And former Master Corporal Paul Franklin was on this show about three weeks ago. He's a Canadian, an Edmontonian, who had his legs blown off by a suicide bomber in Afghanistan. He said, you know, if, if that's how they want to protest, then that's their voice. Because if you do that, if you don't stand for the American anthem, you're going to get interviewed about it. And that's how they're able to get their message out. So, again, I'm a big believer in political choice. If the Penguins as a team decide to go to the White House, I, I'm, I'm not going to say that makes them Trump supporters or okay with Trump is what Trump is doing or whatever each individual president is doing. Having said that, if individual players want to say to themselves, like Tim Thomas did with Obama and some players are doing with Trump, I don't like this individual and I'm not going to his party, so to speak. They should have every right not to go and they should have every right to express themselves. And, and, and I hope that that's the page you're on, whether you agree with them or not. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. We're going to get to know Edmonton actor, now living in L.A. He's got a great story. He calls himself an Oilers nerd. Josh Emerson coming up. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched got asked a bit of a political question, and uh, Big D saying, turning off your show cannot stand for this apologizing for disrespect. Well, that's fine. You're free to do that. That's right. Though I think Big D totally missed the point of what I was saying, but that's that's fine. Uh, it is 7.34. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, yeah, terrible weather in Green Bay. Uh, well, the first quarter just ended. I think I said it was into the second quarter. I don't think they actually snapped the start of the second quarter. 14 nothing. lightning delay. They've cleared most of Lambeau Field. I can't imagine how crowded it is on the concourses there. But uh, that game, well, there's like seriously, there's probably a 1,000 people total in the stands. Josh Emerson is in studio. Josh, <laughs> thanks a lot for coming in. We uh, met by chance at the Oilers scrimmage I was going That's around right. and getting sound from people in the stands <laughs> and you were like yeah I'm Josh I know Bob and Jack and, and well, then I was like I'm like their biggest fan man they're <laughs> my first dream in life was to play in the NHL and I just there was always a reason you know I couldn't start hockey early enough and so I never really got a shot at it but um, yeah these guys are my celebs like they're my you know, the Oilers to me, that's my only sport. It's all I really care about. It's my only team. So, yeah. All right. So we had you in. Uh, you're you're an actor, which is yep. a broad term, I guess. We'll yeah. get into some of the <laughs> yeah. specifics of it. Uh, yeah. You grew up, uh, so you grew up in Edmonton? I did. Yeah. I was born in the Miz. Um, I lived in Edmonton on the West End there uh, till sixth grade and then went to Spruce and finished high school there, Spruce Grove. Okay, so how did you, and we should mention, you're in, you're in Los Angeles. We'll get to some of your yep. credits because you've worked with some, uh, you've been in some big stuff. You've worked <laughs> with some big names, which been is pretty lucky. cool. Yeah. Uh, not that you're not a big name yourself. Oh, well. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't uh, know about that yet. But, uh, but how, where did the acting bug come from? It's a really good question, and I've been asked this probably more than anything else. Um, I remember one day just sitting with my mother 
And uh, at dinner, the kind of the rule in our house was you were never allowed to have the TV on. And this one time it was on, and I don't even know why, but she was watching this Oprah special, and it was like outdoors. The stage was outdoors in Miami, and she had Will Smith on. And I was going through pretty rough stuff in high school at the time, like, you know, kind of everyone does. And um, I just remember watching this thing, and it was almost like, I don't know how to explain it. It was like a punch in the face. It was like, that's what you are. And I remember all of us being like, what the hell was that? You know what I mean? Like, and just kept pushing and pushing and you know the first little bit of course there's a lot of people you know i got laughed at a lot and you know you live in farmland go work on the rigs type thing you know and um then i i just kind of kept going and i did a movie with ray liotta that took us to tribeca and no one laughed anymore all right, but you, you still skipped some steps there. So, oh, yeah, so yeah. That, I'm sure that's there's. fascinating. Yeah. Uh, okay, so do we? Uh, so you, you high school, you, you're you're moved. So, mm-hmm. but what did you do? Did you start taking like drama classes? Yeah. Did you start auditioning. What happened? Well, what was really crazy was when I started, I had no real drama um, experience. So, I mean, I remember the first class that I took was with my first agent. She was also an instructor. And the second oldest kid, I was 18, was 11. Oh, really? So, I mean, you wow. want to talk about not fitting, not feeling like you fit in, but you know what? It was just this thing where it was like, I, I would think it's the same with like an NHL or NFL player. It doesn't matter. You just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just won't be denied. So what do you like most about acting? The character development. I yeah. think being able... What I like, and it's funny, I, I usually play villains, and, you know, I, I get people say, oh, you're such a nice guy, like, why, you know, <laughs> well, that's the best compliment I could get, because the point of performing and, and creating something is being something that you're not, and I think that's one of the biggest draws for me, is trying to explore and understand why, you know, especially, <clears throat> excuse me, like a villain, why does he think and do the things he does, or, or you know what right. I mean, and just exploring that, and basically bringing something to life that you've created from the ground up. Well, I and uh, I love that you said that because from stuff and I I don't uh, did pretend to be this isn't a movie show, but right. I've, you know, talked to other people who who have acted and, mm-hmm. and you know, I like reading about the entertainment world. Most people who play villains, like when you play the villain, you're not playing him as a bad guy. He's the hero in his own life. That's right. So you're figuring out what? Why is he motivated to do That's this? Because right. nobody wakes up in the morning and says, "I'm going to do the wrong thing." That's right. That hurts people. You think I'm going to do the thing so I'm right in right. my life? And it's so like, that's what you like figuring out. Is there also that angle of is he ju- is that character just literally what we'd call primeval and enjoys it? Like what what route are you going? Like there's so right, many okay. choices, right? So yeah. it's it's a very interesting thing. I remember uh, one time I was at lunch with uh, a good friend of mine, Frankie Stallone. And Frank told me... And this is Sylvester's brother. That's right. right? Yeah. I've met Sly. I've been honored to have lunch with Sly a couple of times because of Frank now. And Sly is one of my biggest heroes from even from when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Um, he took me out on my birthday, surprised me with Sly. Um, <laughs> um, Frank told me one time, he said, um, always keep one thing in mind. And I said, what? He said, the villains always get remembered. So when you watch a movie, the villain is always <laughs> a remembered. Good point. It was a great point. It was, you know, why is Goldfinger considered to be possibly the best Bond film? Because oh, of Goldfinger. That's right. Oh, I mean, look at the Dark Knight. Do you think of Christian Bale or do you think of Heath Ledger's Joker? Yeah, good point. You know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. A lot of times he's a villain. He's the you know he was phenomenal. Yeah. 
So. Okay, so uh, t- you start taking classes, and then did you do some studying, like university, college type? What did no, you do? No, I just started kind of doing the audition process, yeah. and you know, I was extremely lucky. The first thing I got, I mean, a lot of people do commercials or small mm-hmm. plays or whatever. I got very lucky, and I did a guest star on a national TV show, and I did a couple little movies of the week, mm-hmm. and then... Uh, Were you still in Canada at the time? Yes, or I, I was still okay. in Alberta. Okay. I wasn't even in BC yet. Okay. Um, and then when I got the film with Ray, um, that took us to Robert De Niro's festival in New York, and uh, that kind of got some hype, and that's what got me into Vancouver. Okay, so you just got to start grinding. Can I ask what that first role was? Like, was it? Oh no, that's fine. It was a show. Um, it was like kind of a kid show. It was called Mentors. Uh, I was done here in. Edmonton. Oh, because I was done here. Okay, but that's the, right. the Leota movie. Wow. Yes, that was comeback season. We did that in Calgary. Okay. Yeah. And did you have a major role in that one? Or? Uh, it was. It was a supporting. Supporting but, uh, role, but definitely yeah. speaking, like it was a f- good, it was a decent sized character. Yeah. Okay. So and then I eventually, was very happy. <laughs> eventually, you moved to Vancouver yeah. for for more work. Yeah. And then you've been living in L. LA almost 10 years now, right? Yep, nine years. And you're in your mid-30s? Yes. Okay, so that's a large part of your adult life. Absolutely, 17 years. You've been right there. Okay, so what is, this this is what makes me curious, and and I was looking at your resume and you were telling me stuff, you figure that The Tooth Fairy with The Rock is the biggest film you've been in. Oh yeah, I mean, he's the the number one selling actor of all time. He's, Dwayne touches something and it's gold. He's one of my favorite human beings. Okay. Uh, you were in Jennifer's Body. That's the one with yeah, Megan Fox. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so you've been in CSI New York, NCIS. I guess those would be some of the big titles that, yeah, that people those know. Would be. Beth Cooper was up there as well. I okay. did that the exact same time as uh, Jennifer's Body, but that also had J.K. Simmons, who's now won an Oscar for yeah. Whiplash. That had uh, Amanda Seyfried, who went, who's you know doing really well right now. There's a lot of people in, in a lot of these films. So, so what's a, okay? So here's my thing because I, I think people say. Or people hear you're an actor, mm-hmm. and they probably think, okay, a lot of the questions was, does does he have steady work? Sure. So what's a what's sure. a day like for you? Do you get up? Do you drive to the studio? Do you put on makeup? Or are some days you're like, I'm not sure when I'm getting my next paycheck. What, yeah, what's that I mean, been like? it's it's definitely ups and downs, especially when you're dealing with uh, uh, O-1 visas. Um, I was on an O-1 visa, and until you get the green card, there is literally a lot of um, hang-ups because... I'll I'll give you a case in point. I was literally cast as the new recurring regular on The Office about five years ago, and I was so stoked. It was my favorite comedy. I was going to be in makeup at 5 a.m. the following day, Mm 7 o'clock that night. I was living in Santa Monica. Okay. I get a call from NBC. Oh, my God, we're so sorry. And I'm going, sorry for what? Like, what's going on? Oh, we thought you had a green card. We didn't know you only have an 01, and it's like more paperwork for them. So they recast with four hours to go. So that's what can happen in the industry. It can be... Right now, it's really tough, and I really feel for a lot of the young actors that are coming up because the O1s right now are almost toilet paper. Um, Half the studios and networks won't even look at them. So... Right now, so now you have a green card, though. So well, the, yeah. By the in the next three or four months, it's it's all done. The paperwork's been okay. done right now. So I'm finally at a place where I can get it. So that's a huge advantage, then. Huge. But I mean, you still got you've still got these great roles. Yeah. So the what what is the audition process like? Are there several <laughs> stages? Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's yeah. got to be pretty. I like every actor that I know, uh, big A list actor, which I'm not one yet, but hate. Auditioning. <laughs> Auditioning is the most, and every actor out there listening right now knows he's probably you know chuckling like you are because I don't think too many of us like it. It's a very sometimes dry and emotionless from 
your casting directors be, and I feel for them because they're seeing 80 people all day long right. saying the same thing. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you got to feel for them. But I'm, I, what I really love about, you know, being on the set and actually doing it is the environment and, and, you know, creating with things around you. And that's actually some of the greatest compliments I've gotten is just, there may be a glass on a table and if my character's nervous, I'll be fiddling with the glass. You're just not thinking about it. You're in the moment. Yeah. You don't have that stuff in an audition. So it's it's a lot harder. I mean, I've seen screen tests for Tom Hardy and then you watch his actual scene. It's night and day. And right. this is Tom Hardy, in my opinion, the greatest actor in the world today. So... Yeah. Josh Emerson joining us in studio tonight. Huge Oilers fan, actor from Edmonton. He's telling a little bit of his backstory, living in L.A. for the last nine years. So uh, when you're auditioning, I don't want to fixate too much on the audition, right. but I do find that because that's the the practice part. It's if the you're talking about part the, as far as I'm Will concerned. you ever do, okay, here's my here's a tape. Here's a tape oh, yeah. of me doing a scene, and then you get called in, and then you're down to the final yep. ten or the final five. Like, are there stages? Yep. Oh, I've done, it depends on the size of the role and it depends on just how they're casting. I mean, I've gotten some some of the major stuff that I've gotten, I guess, uh, off just one audition or one tape. And then there'll be other things, like even a guest star for something, there'll be like three callbacks. It's just however Jeez. they're doing it. Okay. Um, I actually was a part of a show and it didn't get picked up. I was pretty upset about it. I was one of the leads on a show called Borealis. We were doing it in Calgary. So we shot the pilot in the first episode and it just didn't get picked up. And I got that off a tape um, that I made in Santa Monica just one quick tape and that was it it was done jeez yeah that's amazing that's the way you always want it to go (laughs) right that's a little bit of a different story Uh, All right. so what do you have coming up or what are you working on now I actually have a a few things development wise Um, there's one right now we're actually talking to some people at the uh, Canadian government Um, there's an action picture that I want to do here actually in Edmonton so there's some talk about that one of the best scripts I've ever read and then my my big kind of prize thing is um, this is how I really got to know Frankie well Um, playing the life story of Tommy the Duke Morrison Mm -hmm. who was Tommy the Machine Gun in Rocky Five. That's right. So, um, I'm very close with his ex-wife, um, or ex-wife, his widow, excuse me, um, and we're we're really pushing forward on it. So I've met uh, I've met Freddie Roach, talked to Freddie about it. I've been with Floyd May. I was with Floyd Mayweather's camp for his fight with Manny. Oh no way! Oh yeah. What was that like? It was crazy. <laughs> he has a lot of people around him. Um, and one of my good friends is actually part of TMT. So um, that was very cool. And Floyd actually liked the idea of the film. And, you know, we'll see. I okay, think it so would be huge. Here's another question, though, because how long does it actually take to develop a Hollywood motion picture? Somebody has the idea. Oh, there's man. a screenplay. I mean, is it always years? Can sometimes it go a little yeah, quicker? I, it, I mean, it can. I'll give you a prime example. So okay. I was told this by quite a reputable Hollywood producer. He told me that um, Forrest Gump sat on sat on a desk from the day it was like kind of the script came out through attaching Tom Hanks, da-da-da-da-da, to completion was nine years. And it was a book before that, wasn't it? I, I don't know, to be honest. I think it, might, it, but it very well might have been. But, I mean, some of these take a very long That's time. incredible. <laughs> That's Josh, one of the most frustrating things. Can you stick around? Because we still got to talk about it. Josh Emerson is in studio, Edmonton uh, native acting in L.A. It's Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, it's 7.52. 
fun show tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We got Josh Emerson in studio. So we were telling a little bit about your acting history, right. some of the stuff you've... I mean, we, obviously, we didn't do your career justice because you've been in tons of <laughs> stuff. Okay. But you're on IMDb, and people can look all that stuff up. I'm all Oilers on the brain anyway. <laughs> right, and we want to talk... But before we get to your Oilers thoughts, yeah. and I wish we had more time because no, we're winding down, fine, but man. but uh, why are you in... You're from here, so you're right. visiting, but why else are you no, here? No, I, I was asked and I was honoured to be kind of the guest uh, judge slash celebrity, whatever term you want to use, for the Edmonton Short Film Festival. And uh, it's going to be a great... Uh, weekend between the 14th and the 16th and then there's a full day where um, on that day I give a, a Q&A which I kind of wish I was up there with other people <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it, it's they've been great to me they've been amazing um, great I, really quickly I have to do this big shout out to the guys at Match in Rogers Place and the casino um, you know treated me with a suite to every game I want got to meet Don Metz great guy um, you know Shaq Vic Bray um, Remar, just best guys in the world. They, they've treated me like gold, and I can't thank them enough. All right, well, that's awesome. You're coming home and yeah. you know, involved in the in the film community here and the festival. The here. respect has been something I didn't even... I personally don't feel I deserve, but it's just unbelievable. All right, so I, I, I ran into you coincidentally... Uh, like I said, at the scrimmage, you're watching the orders. We start. <laughs> I talking. said to my friend, "That's Reed Wilkins." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Well, you got you to come on the show some night." So we found we found that. So Oilers, what what are you what are, what are you thinking? Oh my god, season? so much! Like like I was telling you, I haven't missed a, a pregame raw interview, a post interview in two years. Um, I personally am a huge Cassian fan. I think I'm I'm a huge Yamamoto fan. I'm a big JP fan. I'm hearing a lot of people knock him. I'm saying, give the kid time. He could barely speak English last year. It's a totally new ice service is a totally new game I think what Todd's going to do and I think it's the smartest thing his frame is phenomenal once they teach him to be a little bit more physical watch how many pucks he frees up on the forecheck watch how many points come that kid's way um, but yeah I'm a, how, how could we not be excited as other fans right now I mean when they hired Cheryl, or, uh, Bob Nicholson, mm-hmm. it was the smartest thing we ever did. And he and that's not a knock at anybody. But bringing Trelli and bringing Todd in, I got to golf with Todd. He's one of the greatest people I've met. I mean, I'm kind of nerding out. These are my celebrities, right? So for me, it's um, there's so much I could say about the others. Talbot looks phenomenal. Um, McDavid, mm, do I have well, to say yeah, anything? Well, obviously. Um, I think Dre is worth every penny. I'm one of those guys. I do believe he's worth it. As young as he is and what that kid's going to do in this league, he's just going to get better. Um, I like Patty Maroon. Um, the other one that I really wanted to defend really quick, I hear a lot of people locking, knocking Lucic, and I think you really got to sit back and look. That man is bringing so much to that organization before his skates even hit the ice. And even when he's on the ice, I mean, he had, what, 12 power play goals last year? Nobody expected that. And Lucic even said himself, I have to be better 5-on-5 five five this year. But we all we all know, and Bob and Jack, who I, I love dearly, um, make reference to it all the time. When a player comes to a new organization, especially a structure, like Todd's, it takes a while to kind of find that. Look at Reggie. Reggie's first year was kind of eh. Mm-hmm. Look at him last year. Yep. He was phenomenal. So I'm really excited about this year. All right, Josh, we're in the final 90 seconds. I'll sure. ask you some quick hitters. Uh, favorite sports movie? Sports movie? Oh my God. Um, I would probably Slapshot or. Uh, um, 
Oh my God! I'd have to say Blindside. That's one of my best okay. friends. I had him. In okay, right. Song. Yeah, hey, right. Because you brought <laughs> yeah, him on yeah. the uh, the Edmonton. Uh, God, I got a shout Edmonton out to Media Q. Tour. Favorite uh, Oiler not currently on the team. So past Oiler. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> I'd probably say Dougie Waite. He was really good to me uh, when I used to work at one of the clubs in town, and and he was always really good to everybody. All right, Josh. Thanks for coming in. How, uh, how do people follow you on Twitter again? Uh, the Josh Emerson. That's Instagram, Twitter. Um, I'm just starting to really get back into my social media. I used to get bugged by my manager all the time because I wasn't really big on it. But we're, you know, doing it a lot now, so that'll be good. Josh, thanks for coming in. Appreciate oh, you making time. Reed for Wilkins, us. man. You let me know any day. <laughs> we'll stay in touch for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Josh Emerson. Also heard from Adarius Bowman, Andrew Harris, Todd McClellan. Thanks to everybody who called and texted. Remember Saturday night. Oilers on 6.30, Chet. Eskimos on Kissing Country 103.9. Of course, I'll be back with Inside Sports 6 to 8 tomorrow night. Patrick Bauer, your studio producer. Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Have a great night.